Welcome back, everyone, to the Rise, Kill, Eat podcast. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the show. The Rise, Kill, Eat podcast is a show that is designed for everyone that loves God, freedom, and the great outdoors. And it's my goal to share the ideas, conversations, and stories of people from all across the country and really all across the world that share that same passion to pursue God, to pursue freedom, and to pursue the great outdoors. And that is exactly what I'm going to share with you guys today with my friend, Matt Carey. But before I do that, I just wanted to ask that if you find any value from today's episode, that you leave a positive rating and review on the podcast platform that you're listening through. I know I have mentioned this before, but these ratings and reviews go a long way in helping the Rise Kill Eat podcast gain some traction in the rankings of podcasts. And every positive one helps us achieve the goal of being able to get this show and the conversation shared on this show into as many ears as possible. A lot of hours and hard work goes into producing these episodes and every little bit of support goes a long way in allowing the show to continue to exist. I also wanted to ask if you would check out the Rise Kelly podcast on the social media platforms. You can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at the handle at Rise Kill Eat, just like the name of the show. On Facebook at the URL, facebook.com slash field. And finally, on Twitter at the handle RKEAfield. So that's RKE as in Rise, Kill, Eat, Afield. These episodes are also posted on YouTube on the Rise, Kill, Eat podcast YouTube page. So if you prefer to listen there or if you just want to share it with a friend through the YouTube link, then that is also now available. All right, so I'm excited to share today's episode with Matt Carey. Matt is a music producer, associate pastor, hunter, outdoorsman photographer, amongst many other things, and he's also from the Nashville, Tennessee area. I've had a lot of guests from the Nashville area on this show, and especially lately. And I think that just really tells you how great that and how awesome that wonderful city is. And I think it's just a testament to the city itself. So Nashville, you got it going on. You're doing it right. But in all seriousness, this was a really encouraging conversation and a really great conversation that I had with Matt Carey. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with him. I've got a we got Matt Carey on here with the Rise Kill Eat podcast. So thank you so much, Matt, for being on the show. And I appreciate you taking some time out of your day right now. I know things are crazy for just about everybody, but I appreciate you being on the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. I, I'm excited to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was looking. I didn't realize this whenever I first asked you, but you're down in the Nashville, Tennessee area, right? Yep, that's correct. I've been here. I'm originally from Atlanta and I've been here since around 2011. Um, yeah, I love it out here. <laughs> I think whenever I saw that, like right before we started talking, I was going back through and I think you're like the fifth or sixth person that I've had on the show that is from the, like the Nashville area. So there must be something about the Nashville, Tennessee area that just, uh, I don't know, keeps drawing me back in, but what are, what are some yeah. things about it that you like? Well, so I I actually moved here uh, for music of all things. Go figure. Um, I I moved here to go to school. I went to MTSU down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, to study music production. So 
that's what brought me here. And now I, I uh, work uh, as a music producer, songwriter, um, do mixing, that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and then I also work at a church, but that's, that's what brought me here. Um, and I still do a little bit of that. So. That's awesome. What kind of uh, music do you do? Of course, with it being Nashville, probably country or something, right? There's a bit of country. Uh, it's, you know, they call it music city. And it's been, I would say, expanding over the last several years. You know, yeah. I mean, it's one, of, it's a, it's growing so fast here right now. Um, you know, for the last couple of years, they've been saying 70, move, 70 people move here a day, 80 people move here a day. And it's up to like a hundred, I think. And it's it's just growing so fast that there's so many different people and different types of music happening. So you go one end of town, and it's pop music, and you go another place, it's alternative and grungy, or there's a punk scene. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff. Um, so I before I moved here, I actually didn't really listen to country music at all, um, oh, yeah. and I, I got into it a bit, you know, just working here playing. I play guitar, so I played for a bunch of country people, um, and then you know produce some of it as well but uh, a lot of what i do musically right now is pop production so i do um like i'll I'll build a track for an artist so you know some artist comes in they've got a song and they want to want to build it up to something want it to sound like you know so and so or they like they have their references and all that sort of thing and so i'll build a track around them i kind of arrange things and uh, program instruments and all that sort of thing um, so, but it, it ranges as long as it, I, I'm, I'm more about the song, I guess, at this point than I am about the, uh, about the style. That's really cool. That's really cool that you've been able to do that and being able to, you know, have a field, have a profession where you can literally be creative and be able to, you know, exercise that, that creative ability. That's really cool. Oh yeah. It's, it's so fun. I'm, I'm blessed to do it. And there's a bunch of other people who've been trying to do it and haven't, haven't been able to. So I, I'm real stoked to be able to do it and still have opportunities now yeah, i'd say that's a probably a one of those fields that it's like either you got it or you don't and it just takes a lot of a lot of perseverance and you know of course with anything knowing the right people and getting in and uh you know sh- giving your best and showing what you got kind of thing that's i have like zero musical that's, ability that's so really I, I mean that's the whole thing I, I you know i think i always tell people i was like if you don't absolutely love it and you can't see yourself doing anything else then you can probably do it but otherwise there's just so there's so many other people doing it and you can make a lot more money doing a lot of easier jobs and put way less effort into it so um you you really have to love it right yeah that's awesome so you're saying that you are also uh working with your church. So what's that look like for you? So are you doing some, you know, music kind of thing with your church or what's going on with that? You know, that's what most people assume. <laughs> and yeah, the, the first the thing position, I thought of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the position I'm in, I, so I'm an associate pastor there. And I, I do help with some of the music stuff, but um, that's not really my main role. Um, my main role is kind of partnering with our lead pastor and just helping to serve our our people well and make sure that everybody in our church gets the pastoral care, you know, because it's just, we, we, we've grown from what we had started at and now not everybody can meet with our lead pastor or maybe they're not the best person for them to meet with. 
as well. So kind of, we have, a, there's a couple of uh, other pastors on staff as well. And um, so I'm kind of part of a, a, a team as far as that goes and then help a lot with, you know, vision and uh, behind the scenes kind of arranging the technical aspects of church, the logistical aspects of church, all those sorts of things that you don't want to think about, but you have to. All the details, all the all the things that a lot of people, you know, will typically take for granted if they if they aren't there. So you're the one that kind of he has to make it happen, I guess. Yeah, uh, my my role originally started a lot dealing with the the Sunday morning service and the Sunday morning experience. You know, what are the guests coming in? What are what are people seeing? What are they experiencing? Are they feeling like they're getting to know people? Are they feeling like they know what the church is about? Are we providing opportunities for them to get to know people? All those sorts of things. So what kind of challenges has that kind of presented for you with, uh, you know, with this whole pandemic issue that we got going on right now, where, you know, a lot of, a lot of places, I guess it's kind of starting to reverse a little bit now, but a lot of places are, you know, kind of closed up. How is that, has that presented a different kind of struggle with being able to communicate those types of things to the church members and to uh, potentially a new audience? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much there. Um, I mean, so first of all, I mean, obviously we can't meet, so right. that has presented challenges and, you know, most churches have been able to figure out some sort of streaming thing. And we got a, a subscription for zoom uh, this program. You can do online meetings and all that sort of thing. So we have moved all of our small groups and, prayer groups and uh, Bible studies and things like that all onto Zoom. But with that, there's been this new challenge of, wow, uh, everybody gets really tired of only doing these Zoom meetings. Right. Yeah. And now uh, we've gotten to the point where I, I think a lot of people are just so tired of it. They, they need a break from staring at a screen and, you know, especially Absolutely. people that are out of work, <laughs> they're, they're sitting at home kind of wondering and watching Netflix <laughs> and, uh, just on all these zoom meetings kind of, or, or if they're working from home, that's how they're doing it. So people are, are kind of tired of it, I think. And so that's been a challenge for sure. Could definitely relate to that. Cause that's something that uh, I'm dealing with. I know my wife is dealing with my kids are dealing with They're They're all uh, ready to get back out and especially get back to church and be able to, mm-hmm. you know, to have that, those one-on-one type of relationships. I think we were, God made us to, to come together and God made us to gather and he, he created us to, to participate in fellowship. And I mean, of course, technology has been a blessing during this time, but it can only do so much. And there's just, there's just something different with being able to meet with small groups and be able to meet with the congregation and, you know, listen to the live music in the auditorium and, you know, hear the, hear and see the pastor giving a message. And I think it's just a, it's a much different experience. And like I said, of course, right now, what we've been able to do, what, you know, churches have been able to do all across the country, not really all across the world has been able to, uh, reach a lot of people, but at the same time, there's just, it's just, it can, I feel like it can only go so far. And I think a lot of people are ready to, to get back out there and ready to get, you know, back to the normal routine, especially when it comes to the church and fellowship and Bible studies and small groups and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, I, th- I think the fellowship thing, you know, it, there's only a certain level you can achieve with only the the really slightly disconnected technical thing. I mean, it's kind of like having a long distance relationship with uh, 
with all your church members that, right. you know, it it can work, but it's not the best. And so, you know, we're working through it, but um, I, I'm excited. You know, I, I've been praying this whole time that, that somehow this, this whole thing has been, been used, you know, to reach people that would not normally go to church. And, um, you know, we've, I, we've actually had an interesting large amount of number of, of people who have felt more connected to our church now than before because they can easily access it and then you know obviously there's there's plenty of more people that didn't go to our church before that have been able to tune into a a facebook live service or or whatever and it's kind of easy for them they don't have to if they're a little concerned about church or they you know they maybe don't feel comfortable with going in or maybe they feel ashamed of going in they they can show up on this service and don't have to deal with the facetime thing which you know, may or may or may not be a good thing, but at the same time, they're there and they can hear the word of God and potentially experience God and meet him and give their life to him. And we've had several salvation stories through throughout this. So this is, it's been a really cool thing, even though it's been really challenging and frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's given, yeah, like you were saying, those, those people who, you know, they're interested in church, they want to come to church, but they they just don't want to be in the church the church building i guess i should say the church building and uh you know from here they can with everything going on they can sit on the couch click a button and be attending quote unquote attending church and not mm-hmm. have to worry about you know shaking hands and talking to people and asking people asking their story and that kind of thing and for some people like you were saying i mean that's that's exactly what they need to be able to to kind of get that that uh relationship going with God hopefully you know of course those continue and we've been hearing from our pastor at my church here in uh, Kentucky as well that um, we've had salvations just about every week from people that are emailing in saying you know I'll listen to your message Uh, never really never really attended your church Um, live in the area and I gave my life to Jesus today and it's it's just real cool to be able to have that uh, experience and I guess of course God always intends for everything to be to, to be good you know so of course with this pandemic this has been inconvenient for a lot of people but at the same time it could be something that you know a year two five ten years from now could be something that has uh changed a lot of people's lives for for the better oh yeah i mean i i really think that the lord is using this time you know not only to reach people who have been far from him but also to reveal some things to the church as a whole and I think it's been a bit of a thermometer to the state of the church and people are saying, okay, are, you know, where are we at? What are we about? What do we actually need and what do we maybe need to, you know, trim some fat and get rid of? And I think, I think it, the church will be in a new spot after all this is over and it'll be interesting to see what, what happens next, but I, I'm excited about it. I, I think that it's it's been, you know, obviously there's, tons of bad stuff and deaths and and sickness and all that never wanted, but the Lord's using it and I'm excited to see where we're going from here. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, of course I wanted to have you on and talk about some, some hunting for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So so we actually, uh, it's kind of cool how we kind of got connected. I I don't remember how it first started, but I remember seeing some of your, uh, photography, some of your pictures that you were on there and, I think I sent you a message. I don't remember when it was, but 
basically asking if I could share some of your stuff because I'm not a photographer. I'm not somebody who has that kind of eye. At least usually I don't. Maybe every once in a while I can get some, get lucky and get something. But so whenever I was going through your stuff, I was like, I'm gonna ask this guy if he would you know care if we could uh, if I could use some of his pictures because they looked really cool. And then from there, we just kept, kind of kept talking, and uh, you're giving me updates as we we're going through the spring turkey season. So, of course, before we get to that, you know, how did your hunting, your hunting, I guess, quote unquote, career, your experience begin? Like, who who first introduced you? I know a lot of people have the typical uh, dad grandpa story. So, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, so for me, mine is very much a non typical. Uh, awesome, I like those. Yeah, I so I you know, I grew up fishing. My grandfather was, was probably the biggest impact in, in that realm. Um, you know, we grew up going to the lake. They live, they live on a lake now. And, um, so we always just going down there and catching bass and catching crappie. And, uh, I guess some people call it crappie the further North you get, but in Georgia, we call them crappie. Um, but so, <laughs> I never really know. I don't, I don't know if it's, I think I call them crappie. I think is what what they are, but they're spelled crappy, so I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I didn't mean it, to interrupt you. But no, you're good. It is what it is. You know, everybody calls me out on it, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So you know, grew up fishing and that sort of thing, and uh, was always interested in hunting. My my dad and his side of the family they did like an annual rabbit hunt, but by the time I was old enough to go, they they weren't able to go anymore, and so I, I never got to go. And so that was kind of it for my, my childhood experience. And then went to college and had a friend who was, he had grown up duck hunting and, you know, that interested me. And, and that was right after all the duck dynasty stuff had gone on. So I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't really, didn't really know much. And, um, never, he, he invited me to go in, in college, but I never really had the chance. And then, um, probably, it was, it was right after I got out of school. This would have been like 2016, I think. And I was like, I really want to duck hunt. You know, my dad's got a pair of, you know, old waders. He's got his shotgun. He's got an old 870 that I could borrow. So I'm going to borrow that stuff and then find a jacket. And then uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was, she lived in Arkansas. So I was in, you know, I was able to go to one of the better places to go. And so, I went with, with her family and, uh, I fell in love with it. I mean, the, the first day we, we went out there, it was just, it was the perfect morning. I'd had no idea what to expect, what to expect. We we're standing in like flooded timber, cypress, uh, kind of area and, uh, just mallards and ringnecks and teal and everything. Gadwall, they were just dumping in. The first bird I shot was a gadwall. And so I remember picking that up and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And looking at all the details and I was like, all right, I'm in. So that's kind of what got me, got me into it and hooked. And then ever since then, I, I, I think that next year I bought a kayak. I live close to a lake here in Nashville and I bought a kayak and I was like, all right, I can't buy a boat or anything else. So I bought a little bit of my own stuff and then just started going and figuring it out. Watched a bunch of YouTube videos. <laughs> have you ever hunted out of the kayak? Cause that's something that I am uh, strongly considering, but of course there's, you know, some precautions you got to take because in January that water is really cold. And if you dump out, yeah. there, of course that's going to be an issue. So have you, uh, have you been able to get it out and be able to work with it a little bit? 
I have hunted actually in the kayak only a handful of times. Yeah. Just most of the most of the situations I'm in where I'm looking for a spot to hunt, I'm I can I can get onto a shore or somewhere in some cover because like most of the time I'm in the kayak, I just can't get in any good cover. And I have like I've built like a little bit of a blind with some burlap and all that, but I mean it just kind of stands out. But in the spring it has worked. Uh, you know during teal season and early goose I, i've shot some birds out of there but uh it is i have to make sure that i have to choose my shots wisely because i'll have more opportunities than i have shots if that makes sense because like yeah you shoot you shoot right in front of you and it's pretty good but if you shoot you know you turn to your left or your right side to side and you shoot that gun there's a good chance that kayak could tip depending on what <laughs> kind of kayak you right. have so i I've taken some risky shots before and uh, almost gone over, but haven't fallen in yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's something I've been going back and forth on, and uh, it, I don't know. I, I still haven't quite made a decision <clears throat> on if I want to do that, but the way you're using it, it sounds like I could definitely use by using it to kind of maneuver around in the water to actually get to some dry spots and that kind of thing. And it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because that's kind of how I got into, well, duck hunting specifically, but uh basically other species besides whitetail is i had a I had a buddy who introduced me i mean this was probably uh shoot this is probably about six years ago then mm-hmm. uh, he introduced me to uh duck hunting that was the first thing that he took me on and i had never been duck hunting before i had seen a couple of videos and uh but i had no idea what in the world i was doing I think it was pretty evident too. Whenever I went out that morning with him, and, <laughs> and uh, so, but he started taking me. Kind of started taking me along and stuff, and um, and from there, it, I really got got bit by the the hunting bug. I guess is what you could call it. And there's something about duck hunting, man. And like you said, whenever you you're holding those ducks and just the, the detail they have, and the the beauty and the shine that they have on their feathers, man, it's just such a cool experience. Oh yeah, I I think it's uh. I, I think as far as just thinking about all the different types of hunting, depending on the person, I guess it, it might be different, but I think it's a really good, it, if they can get over the cold, it's a very first, a good for a first time hunter because you can talk, you know, for the most part, you can hang out and it's, and it's an exciting thing too, when there's actually something that happens. And there's less things I think you do have to worry about, but a lot of times it's also an adventure and the scenery you get to see is just unreal. Yeah. Sitting out by the water, whenever the sun's rising and you know, oh, yeah. have steam coming up off the water. And if you're lucky, maybe it's snowing or something. It's just such a oh, cool, yeah. cool if thing. If you're lucky, we don't get it. We don't get that much. We don't get that much snow around here. Oh, really? <laughs> so we don't really get a whole lot. There's been a few years. I think there's, uh, I think maybe two or three years ago, we had a like a perfect morning. Uh, the lake, because I live about 15 minutes from Cave Run Lake, which is on the northeast side of uh, Kentucky. And the lake had frozen over, and the water, the the spillway, the river that comes out of the lake, it was still moving. So we set up on that river where the water was still moving, and, man, it was, it was a good morning that we had. And I think it was about negative five degrees and a little bit of snow on the ground. It was a pretty good little hunting experience that was one of my my first ones i think that actually might have been the day i shot my first duck i think it was actually now i think about it i mean it was a it was a pretty cool experience and duck hunting is one of those things that i don't have a whole lot of experience with but like you said it's it's something that once you get into like it's 
it, it's almost addicting. Like you got to get out there and you oh, got yeah. to hunt some more and you got to, you know, view the scenery and see everything that's around you. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's just hard to kind of put into words. And I think you see a lot of that with, with a lot of different styles of hunting. I think it's, it's an interesting thing to like, I don't know, coming into it from my perspective of this isn't something I've done for, you know, 18, 19, 20 years of my life, but uh, it's something I've only done, you know, for a handful of years now. And I don't have all these old perspectives of like how it should be and whatever. And so there's lots of things too, I think, where I've just been able to just kind of try something and I don't really have anybody telling me, no, that's a bad idea. And even, even around here, I hunt places where people don't normally hunt and we kill birds, we kill stuff and so i mean it's an interesting interesting situation yeah it's kind of giving you the opportunity to kind of to learn on your own and get out there and you know like you were saying i think a lot of people they have those people in their in their lives especially when it comes to hunting that uh will tell you you know don't hunt over here don't do that don't do this and you know being somebody who's gotten into it much later in your life i think i've gotten especially with uh you know ducks turkeys and doves and all that kind of stuff i've had it very similar experience where you just kind of go out there and just just see what's working and see what's not and then try to repeat that next yep. time and and that's just really what it what it comes down to so that's pretty cool though that's awesome so what did this uh this last turkey season i know we were kind of talking about it all throughout uh i, I think it was kind of right i guess it was towards the end of the turkey season we were kind of talking back and forth and that kind of thing so turkey season it's one of those times that i think it's kind of kind of my favorite well i I don't know i don't know if i'd say my favorite i've got a love-hate relationship with turkey hunting but (laughs) (laughs) but but it's definitely one of my favorite styles of hunting because especially whenever everything kind of comes together just because of the excitement and the spring and all that kind of stuff so Uh what are some of your favorite favorite parts of hunting and i guess you can get into your least favorite i've got a long list of least favorites but you can get into some of your least favorite parts of hunting as well as far as turkeys go yeah well okay so i'll preface this this year's i've kind of limited myself to one type of new type of hunting a year otherwise i'll just spend way too much money buying gear (laughs) yeah definitely this (laughs) this year was actually my first turkey season and so uh it was a big learning experience and i had one friend that was kind of doing it with me and he had never done it before either i think he had gone once in in california or something so I think I think those are Rio turkeys out there, and so he he said it was a little different, um, and he hadn't he hadn't really shot one I don't think when he went, so we kind of had no idea what we were doing, and we went out opening day. I had messaged some people and tried to get an idea of where we should go, and I've got some friends who've been doing it for a long time, and so I went to the spot early in the morning. We kayaked out to a spot thinking we we'd get away from the pressure and get to a, a spot where these birds would be and there was nothing we didn't hear anything we didn't see any well i take that back we did hear one on the other side of the creek i think he was roosted on the other side of the creek we were on but he didn't want to come across and um then we we just kind of were like all right well let's go get some chick-fil-a and and move spots in the afternoon and we went to one of the other spots i had scouted and sat there for maybe an hour my buddy shot a snake and i'm thinking man we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna see anything after that and you know an hour after he stands up and shoots a snake 
the we start hearing these birds gobbling on the other side of this field we were set up on and it was kind of up, up on a hill so we were on the top of the hill we couldn't really see the bottom of the hill but we could we had our couple hen decoys set up out in front of us but we could hear him gobbling so we just call he had a little slate call and i was doing the mouth call and uh over the course of like 30 minutes these two toms came up and uh you know checked our decoys out and I was able to take one of them and it was, it was the first day of turkey season and I shot one my very first time going and I was thinking, man, this is really, it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then uh, the rest of the season was not so uh, simple, <laughs> but I, yeah. you know, I think this whole, this whole uh, pandemic thing has increased the amount of hunting like crazy in Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know how it's been for you, but I mean, I'd pull up to places and there'd be seven trucks parked there. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know why you guys are all here. Yeah. You know, you're sitting on top of each other. See, in and, years past, I've been able to, you can usually, you know, kind of get it figured out on the weekends. Cause there's going to be a bunch of people out on the weekends and our season's only about three weeks long. So on those weekends, there'd be, there'd be a lot of people, you know, out, but throughout the week, you know, typically you can kind of get away with a quick morning hunt and that kind of thing. But, but this year <clears throat> I seemed like every time I went out, like it could be a Wednesday morning, Saturday morning, Monday morning, whatever it is, Friday morning. And it just seemed like there was people just about everywhere. So I, I saw a lot of the same thing I think that you saw. Uh, it was, it made it so challenging. And like on top of that, not knowing really that much about turkey hunting, uh, you know, it was, it made it that much harder. And so, um, you know, I found it was it was interesting the places i thought more more people were hunting there was a little less pressure so we we chased some birds around for like a couple of weeks and we'd always see them but we could never get them get them to come off private land they were just all sitting on private land so that that was that was pretty challenging but i think that was the most frustrating thing is seeing birds that you can't shoot you can't get up on them or sneak around them or anything like that um and you know, I ended up with two birds at the end of the season. Um, we we have a limit of four here, and I almost had a third the last week. Um, I went out on the Monday of the last week of season here, and I, I roosted a bird. I knew where he was, and I, I set, you know, a couple hundred yards away from the roost, thinking I, I had known where he was going to go, and he flew down, and I didn't see him after he flew down and I, I figured he could could have gone one of two ways and I went up and after about an hour of waiting and uh, saw some tracks going left and some tracks going right and I thought well if he went left I would have seen him so he must have gone right so I did a, did a big loop around and got out in front of where I thought he might be started calling and I mean he was 200 yards from me and I thought here we go and he just gobbled gobbled his head off and I kept, you know, I moved up a little closer and uh, called a little bit more and he, he was a little bit closer. And so I moved up a little bit closer and then found a tree and sat. And then he came up above a hill and he was still, you know, 60, uh, probably about 60 yards away, but he was behind trees and brush and I could see the back of his fan and I could see the red peeking through the brush, but I never had a clear shot. And, uh, it was, it was, it made it all of those other days of 
waiting and waiting and waiting and made it all worth it at that point. And I chased him for the rest of the week and never, <laughs> never got him. <laughs> so he's still out there, but I, I, so I, I don't know if that answered your question, I guess. But I had some very similar experiences with that. And uh, I mean, there was just so many times that I would get so close or uh, I was actually hunting a private farm here in Kentucky and there was multiple times, I think probably, shoot, I don't even know, maybe four or five times where I would have Tom's goblin on the hillside that's on the other property or on the neighbor's property, or I would actually see them through the cattle fence that separates the the property boundaries. And I, it was just, there were so many times where, you know, I was so close, but it didn't, didn't really end, uh, end up working out. I actually got, got a Tom. I think it was the second weekend. I didn't get one open weekend. It was the the next weekend. I got one that uh, was out wandering along uh, a cattle fence that uh, was on the property boundary. I just so happened to catch him at a gap where he could kind of slip through and come come check out where I was. But man, it was it's so crazy how how these birds are and how they uh, kind of react to to everything. You know, and especially react to calling and or not react to things like gunshots, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's just a, it's such a weird style of hunting. I don't, I don't know if that's a weird, but it's such a different style of hunting. Cause you know, especially with anybody who's has spent any time out deer hunting, like you just mm-hmm. get out there and you just kind of sit and you wait, you know, looking for movement, looking for things that are you know out of place, different with Tom's. I mean, you could actually literally sit there and have a, a conversation with them or they may slip in and never say a thing. And it's, it's just right. one of those things that, that it can be like super frustrating, but also uh, so invigorating. I feel like the, the, the ends of the spectrum for turkey hunting are, are just it's so extreme. And that's why I have such a love hate relationship for it. Cause so whenever it's going good, I love it. But whenever it's not, which is most of the time for me, man, I just, I'm like, what in the world am I doing out here? I'm ready to get home. (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to get in those conversations. You've been sitting there for a couple hours and you're like, all right, I'm wasting my time now. I need to go. I could be doing something else. And then, and then you hear something or you, or, you know, you hear it and, and then you're like, all right, I could sit here for another couple hours, I think. Yeah, Yeah, there was one. uh, It was actually the second last day. I was on my way back to the car and I was, it was probably close to 11 o'clock. I was just doing some calling as I was going along and uh, I get a tom that starts gobbling like probably maybe 150, 200 yards in front of me. And I literally, this ended up being about a three hour ordeal. I ended up <laughs> getting him up to the top of the ridge and he, I'm sitting there waiting on the, uh, the edge of the tree line and he steps out probably about 60 to 70 yards uh, away from me, which was about 30, 40 yards from where I wanted him to come out. And, right about the time he starts strutting and coming towards me, uh, another Tom on the opposite side of the field that I did, had no idea was there. He starts gobbling and the one I'm after, like right away breaks his strut and takes off running towards that other Tom. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I've been sitting here for three hours working on this bird. And then all it takes is that, that little bit. And I was like, okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's frustrating. And you know, we, we were hunting on public land here. And I mean, especially living so close to a, a major city, there's, you know, people just walking through the woods or doing whatever, like one morning this, I, I was on this bird and I was 
there was so much brush and cover in in the woods and it was it had just rained it was so quiet i could walk and sneak so i could hear him gobbling in front of me i was trying to sneak up on him and get close enough where i could you know i hadn't called yet so he didn't really know i was there but i could i could hear him and i got close and i sat along the edge of this little trail that i figured he was walking down and i mean maybe five minutes later a guy comes with his german shepherd just running off a leash down the path and i'm thinking are you kidding me (laughs) i've been sitting out there for so long i was like well that bird's gone now um but yeah i think i think my favorite thing about it was just that that trying this whole um most people call it the running gun approach you know Mm -hmm. just like walking walk on it walking around trying to get something to strike up and um, you know, I can, you can only do that so much on some of the public land, depending on how many people are hunting out there. But, um, that was just the fun, the fun thing for me is like moving around and, you know, I, you know, I, you didn't have to sit in one, one place the whole time. Um, you know, and it, you know, sometimes I move and screw myself up, but that's another story. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely. That, that was the fun thing. It's just kind of like exploring and learning, learning a piece of land and trying to figure out, it's like, all right, well, I might hunt an area for three days and walk around and really figure out, okay, this is what the birds are doing. And then actually hunt on the fourth day. Um, I, you know, I would lo- would have loved to shoot something the other two days or the other three days, but you know, the, the hunt didn't really start. I don't think for me until that the fourth day of learning this new piece of land um so that was that was really fun but the most frustrating thing was i think because so much pressure the like i mean there was probably weeks that we had because our starts in like very uh beginning of april and then ends like that uh second week of may and so we i mean for except for maybe the first two weeks birds barely made any noise they might make noise on the roost. They didn't gobble at all when they hit the ground. And so it made it so challenging. And, yeah, it's hard to hunt when um, they're like that. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know where they are, where to go. If And then, you know, so you just kind of hope, you sit in a field that you saw them in and hope that that's where they go that day. But <clears throat> I think that was the most frustrating thing. I was trying to figure out. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, our season, it starts here in Kentucky. I think this year it was April 18th, which I think just how the calendar kind of worked out, um, it ended up being a little bit later than I think in the past years. And it ended on May 10th. So I think it was 22 days on the calendar that that you had to kind of get it done. We've got a two-bird limit here. and But, yeah, I, I experienced a lot of that same kind of stuff. And it was just there's so many close calls, but those close calls is really what – what makes it you know all worthwhile and it's mm-hmm. kind of what fuels you to get back out there and want to try it again because like you know you got so close this time maybe if i do something like this this time then it, it'll work out and then whenever you pull that trigger and you see them flopping on the ground it's like yes yeah. you know, got it done and that's that's awesome but so of course we talked a little bit about your photography when uh you know being somebody who got into hunting being somebody who got into the outdoors much later in life and didn't necessarily have that upbringing um when did you start kind of kind of putting the two together with the photography and with the the hunting when did you start actually taking your camera into the outdoors when you're hunting yeah so i i've always wanted to do photography and i i 
I think it was, I mean, when I was in middle school, I had like a little, my parents got me this little point and shoot Lumix camera. And I was so excited. I could, my friend had a nicer DSLR and I, I didn't have that, but I could do some cool photos or do long exposure things with it and get some pictures of lightning. I was like, oh, this is sick. Um, but then, you know, I had always wanted to get a nicer camera and get into photography and just probably uh this was no it was I've, I've really only been doing it for like a year and a half maybe um and so i bought i bought this camera used off of facebook marketplace and well i actually borrowed before i had that actually i borrowed a my neighbor's camera he had a uh a canon and it you know was maybe like 18 megapixels and it was super slow like the shutter super slow and I, I you know my the thing i wanted to photograph was waterfowl and so it's like yeah. any action shot you wanted to do was just not possible but it was still fun it got me real interested in it and he let me borrow that for you know six months to a year i feel like and then and then i bought my own camera so maybe i've been doing it longer than that i guess and i think maybe it's probably closer to two years but um i you know i I had been hunting and I had taken some pictures with my phone and my buddies had taken pictures and I, and I was like, ah, you know, I do, I have an Instagram account for my music stuff, but I don't really want to post these things on there and it doesn't really fit. And mostly I'd, all I would use social media for was marketing anyway. So it didn't make sense to post anything. And so I just decided, I was like, okay, well I'll make another account for like hunting stuff and I can post, you know, photos of, dead birds and people won't you know freak out about it right <laughs> right we, we appreciate that kind of stuff so <laughs> yeah so I, I that's how it started i did that and then posted a few photos and you know didn't really I, and then that account just sat there for a while and <clears throat> then once i got the camera i realized like oh man i really like doing this once or as when i was borrowing the camera and so i kind of like thought about it a lot and <clears throat> prayed about it a lot and I was like wow you know this this whole thing of you know in in Romans um 1 20 the it yeah. talks about you know through the creation uh through all things are created people will be without excuse they'll know about God and so I was like all right I you know I, I, I like taking photos and all and all that sort of thing but I want people to experience what i've experienced through hunting i've you know just just on my own and going out and being alone out in the woods or on the water and uh, just spending lots of time being quiet and all of that and and just it, it's helped me to just grow closer to the lord and so i was like how can i i started strategizing I was like, how can i use this passion for photography and passion for hunting to point people to the lord and so <clears throat> that I mean, it started for me with a goal like that, and so yeah, um, and so then I came up with the the little handle, uh, my Instagram handle is of the field, and you know I was reading about uh, Nimrod. It it talks about Nimrod in the Bible. He's a man of the field, and then you've got uh, Jacob and Esau, and Esau is this hairy dude, and he loves to hunt, and his his dad's stoked about it, and he gets to eat yeah. some of the food. So it's like all these guys of the field. And I was like, okay, what is of the field? Where somebody of the field, they're, they're learning things about 
the way the world works and and I think they're connected to uh to the Lord in a different way and so how can I kind of bridge that gap for maybe some people who've never experienced that just the same as me um and maybe don't know that they love this and uh, you know obviously there's also a not that many people that hunt uh, I think in compared to historically at least in the United States there's a lot less hunters give to the population size yeah than, than there there has been in years and years so so that's kind of how it started for me um but yeah I'd, so I'd, I'd, the camera I have now is by no means like a super nice camera but uh, you know I bought something that I could afford it's a Canon a Canon T6i and um I bought that and have a couple cheap lenses for it and just started learning how to do photos watching a bunch of YouTube videos learning how to uh manage all these settings and um all that sort of thing it's kind of you know I've learned a ton from that and I've like you were you mentioned earlier I get lucky sometimes and I'd say it's the same thing <laughs> I take I take a lot of photos. I you know I'll go out in the morning and take probably you know if 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 I depending on how long I sit out there I usually take you know a thousand photos or, or and you know I I end up using not very many out of yeah. that you know that's awesome man that's awesome that's cool that you have you know taken something that you're passionate about and used it for the good and used it for you know of course spreading the message of God. And that's really what inspired me kind of in a similar way to do the Rise Kill Eat podcast. Of course, Rise Kill Eat comes from Acts chapter 10, 13. And mm-hmm. it's a verse that's not necessarily about hunting, but it's, it kind of, you know, reestablishes, reaffirms that, that uh, connection that we have with our food and with uh, God as the provider. And, you know, you were mentioning Romans one twenty. that's one of my favorite verses. And that's, it's so cool to, you know, actually be able to get out into creation, like the, the earth and everything, like all these things were, they weren't created by people. And it's, I think a lot of people kind of take that for granted. Like these are, uh, naturally occurring God created things that we get to go out and experience. And, you know, and we have an opportunity to see God in his creation because of, and the, the whole act of hunting and getting out and pursuing these other created beings and these other animals and being able to consume them it's such a cool process than to to do you know something that nimrod and uh you know esau and all these people throughout the bible and throughout history have been able to do and we can still do it today you know thousands of years later and such a such a cool thing you were mentioning earlier how uh duck dynasty kind of played a big part and that's kind of how uh you know i think it was probably like seven or eight years ago that they were really starting to emerge and i think that show, I know it did for me at least. It kind of uh, it established the the hunting world and the spiritual world, and kind of meshed them together. And I think it really wow. touched a a specific group of hunters who are looking for who enjoy hunting, and then also, of course, are are Christians. They love God. They love Jesus. And I think it kind of it reached that that community, and it, it allowed for people to see that you know you can be a Christian, you can love Jesus and you can be somebody that is going to, uh, hunt at the same time. Like you can be somebody who loves creation and be somebody who, who also enjoys consuming animals, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's such a cool, cool, uh, thing that we've been able to do with our platforms. And, um, 
you know, a lot of people, they, they, they have these huge platforms like the Robertsons. They have a podcast now, which I listen to like just about every time they put out an episode. And, but there's also people who, you know, like you, like me, and there's, there's people from all over the country that have that same love for God and that same love for hunting in the outdoors. And it's, it's such a cool being experience, being able to, to, you know, have these conversations and that kind of thing. It's awesome. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I think just, just come from what you're saying and, and, you know, from my experience, I think there's a thin wall um, between the spiritual realm and uh, what we might call the physical realm. While I think that there's, they're one and the same. Um, I think that there's a thin, thin, thin wall between the two when, when you get to the creation, because like, I don't know, from, from my experience, I get out there and I'm doing stuff. And, you know, personally, I obviously have said that I get a lot from that time Mm -hmm. and all of that, but even from a ministry standpoint, um, I I'm sitting out here, not even trying to start a spiritual conversation. You know, it's like, I, I'm sitting here with my friend and we're hunting and I really don't know this guy that well, you know, we we've been out, you know, hanging out downtown a couple of times, but it's like, not, I really don't know this guy that well. And we're sitting there hunting. And then he starts talking about how he wants to get back to his faith. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? (laughs) And so, you know, and, and, you know, then I had a, uh, we, we draw for public blinds here um, in, in the Nashville area. And the guys in, in our blinds, they were calling me the preacher, <laughs> but it, you know, that is, is a funny thing, but I, um, you know, even, even there, I was like, all right, you know, there's a, there's these op, all these opportunities that I'm not even, you know, other times I had been looking for opportunities to share with people. And now here I am, they're just like dropping in my lap. And so I think, there's a thin wall not it doesn't have to be hunting it can be the creation as a whole because i think a lot of people get a lot out of you know hiking and camping all of all these sorts of things but it's especially in the time and age we're in right now we've we've gone so far from um we we try to be so self-reliant we live in these big cities a lot of people do even if you live out in the middle of you know, so suburbs, you're still not really out in the middle of nowhere. It's it's kind of hard to find those places depending yeah. on where you're at. And so I think like as a, as a culture, as a people, as human beings, we've ran away from really being out in those, in those areas. And it, it, for most people, it's so far from that, that when you get in those places, people, you know, people say, I get chill bumps. Oh, it was so pretty or whatever. And, you know, I think there's a thin wall there. So I think it's an exciting place to be at and it's filled with opportunities. Just, just like that Romans one twenty, like we were talking about. I I think that it really explains that, but uh, it's it's a fun thing. It really does. It really doesn't. Well, you can't help, but be out into in creation out be, you know, it could be hiking, it could be camping, fishing, hunting, whatever it is. You can't help, but being out there and, you know, really starting to kind of open up spiritually like what you were getting at because it, it does that to you. I mean, it's just a, it's just, I feel like it's a natural occurring thing and it's, it touches you in, in a way that I don't know, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to replicate that. And I think the, the conveniences of life and the, the technology and constantly looking at screens and 
you know, seeing pavement and all that, those kind of things. I think we just get so used to that, that we think that that's where we came from. But, mm-hmm. you know, in reality, you know, looking back, we can use in the Bible as a historical reference or, you know, other books or whatever it may be. And um, you can see that, you know, at one time we were out running the fields, we were out running the mountains, we were pursuing these things and we were out uh, doing this in a natural way that, you know, back then they didn't have cars, they didn't have mm-hmm. pavement, they didn't have, uh, you know, street signs and street lights, all those kinds of things. They had to figure it out in a way that, uh, you know, made them reliant on God and made them reliant on creation itself. And, you know, I think that's really what uh, probably stems from Romans one twenty is that the idea that, you know, getting back to the roots and getting back to, to seeing God as the creator and seeing God as the provider. And that's such a cool experience. I know it has been for me personally. I know it has been for a lot of, a lot of people. So that's, that's really cool. But uh, man, it's, I didn't realize it, but we're getting up here on time. So I, I definitely want to respect your time. I don't want to sit, I could sit here and talk with you for you know hours on this. So, but of course, with this being uh, the Rise Elite podcast, I usually try to keep these around an hour, so I want to make sure I respect your time. But um, I do have a few more questions for you, and right. this is this is one that you know I kind of came up with that um, I like asking my guests kind of as we're closing, as we're wrapping up, and um, I get all, all kinds of different responses from it, and I'm interested to see what you what you have for me. So I think I kind of prepped prepped you for this a little bit, but my question for you is: What does hunting mean to you? Yeah, I mean, what it means to me, I mean, at this point, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, last year, I spent a lot of time learning about the Sabbath, and just learning how to rest. And hunting has been a, an end to a means for me, as far as finding that place and finding that time. So, you know, especially with you know, waterfowl hunting, you got to get up so early, you got to get to a spot before anybody else and, you know, set up before the sun, for 30 minutes before the sun rises. And so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of downtime. And so I've, you know, used that to learn to rest, but I, I think that that's a huge thing for me is I, what I, what I've found is like, I'll take a day and Thursdays, you know, if you want to get a hold of me on a Thursday, you, you usually cannot. I will be out somewhere away, either yeah. fishing or or hunting, and um, you know that's my my time of rest. And uh, you know, if I if I get anything, that's fine, um, but that's not the goal for those days. And um, it's just a time to just get with the Lord, get away, try to listen to Him, try to shut up, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right. and be quiet. And, and that's really hard to do sitting at home, uh, tempted by Netflix and, um, what, and Instagram and all of these other things. And while, while those things may seem like rest, while I'm not working, uh, I, I do not feel filled up <laughs> after spending hours doing those things. And so, um, so that's been a, a big part of, for me. And, you know, the other thing I would say is that, it's, it's forced me to try something new. And I think um, the further along you get into your life, it's really easy to just say like, well, I kind of know these things, what, you know, whatever path you're on, I, I don't know 
everybody's story, but I think it's easy to say, I know what's going on. I understand this. I feel comfortable here. And um, it's, it's really easy to get kind of stagnant. And, you know, you talk about your faith, you can talk about your career, any, anything. I, I think it's really easy to get stagnant uh, the older you get. And so for, for me, hunting is a, was a bit of a humbling thing. So I jumped into something new. I didn't know anything. And it helped me really learn a lot more about myself, about the Lord, about how I inter- interact with other people, how I can love on other people better, um, and all sorts of things in, in between. But I think helped me to learn to try something new. And so, you know, and then, you know, the photography came with that. And uh, that's that's just been a blast as well. And I've met a bunch of, bunch of cool people through that. And so, I, I, you know, that's one of my passions now is just I want to get people who, who, you know, maybe they've hunted before, but um, they're interested in hunting or maybe they don't know they're interested in it. Uh, you know, be able to take them out, provide those experiences, be able to teach them, let them let them see things they've never seen before and try something new and um, and, and maybe see, learn something um, about themselves, maybe learn something about the Lord and and. and I, you know, I think that's that's one of the bigger things that I, I've kind of come out of it with, and and I'm seeking to do more and more. Um, it's it's just a really fun thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's a that's a great response to to. I feel like is something that's a pretty tough question, and but it's it's awesome that you mentioned you know rest because that is that's very true. I mean, we I think it's important that we take a day where we you know honor God and we we find something that's going to truly fulfill, uh, fulfill that, that rest that we, we so deeply desire. Cause just sitting at home and, you know, swiping through Instagram, isn't necessarily going to do it. And it's for a lot of people, it's not going to do it because I mean, it's just, it's just not something fulfilling and that hunting has found that for you or has, uh, fulfilled that for you. That's just, that's awesome. That's, that's really cool. I mean, Bible tells us that Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, you know, God gave us that opportunity as a gift to to re, be restored and to be fulfilled back into Him, and that's that's cool. That that hunting was is something that you're able to do that with. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Now I I I cannot. I hate it when I miss a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I'm when I you know for me I mean obviously I'm working at a church so Sunday is that day for a lot of people but uh, I had to find another day. Yeah, and, you'll find, um, find one of the one of the seven days, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, man, I can tell a huge difference in in my week, in my life, in my thought life, all of those things when when I miss that time. And so it's, I mean, it's it's I I deem it necessary, and I wonder how I it took me so long to actually dedicate that time and actually have a Sabbath versus you know. You know, just I would say not going to maybe work, um, but I don't know. I, I heard a message on the Sabbath, and it made me really think about it very differently. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we did a whole whole series at our uh, church. It was uh, I think he titled it "Hurry," where it's basically mm-hmm. just about that, just finding your rest and you know finding that spiritual fulfillment that you get from your rest and honoring the Sabbath and taking you know a day to put everything down and just kind of kind of recalibrate but but yeah man that's awesome and uh thank you i I really do appreciate you 
being on the Rice Kelly podcast with me. So where can listeners, where can they find your work? Where can they find you? And where are you as far as uh, social media and all that kind of stuff goes? Yeah, so I'm pretty much only on Instagram, just being being a photo guy right now. Um, so you can find me. It's at of underscore the underscore field. And um, I, I'm, I'm on there if you want to contact me. If you're a photographer person and you were hoping to, we talk about some more photography. Uh, just shoot me a message. We can talk about that. I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to talk with you and message with you and, and help you, help you out. But, um, but yeah, so I'm on there and I'm actually working on a YouTube channel, um, that's focused on helping people who want to get into stuff. Uh, they want to get into hunting. They don't, you know, know where to start or they just really I, I the, the goal of it is to push people to try something new um so for me the hunting stuff was new the photography stuff was new um now i'm getting into all sorts of cooking because i got all this meat i got <laughs> so i gotta figure out what to do with oh, it yeah and That's so a good problem um, to have. yeah yeah so um so now right now I, i'm working on a video for doing uh making a bunch of sausage out of uh, all of my like diver ducks and so I'm excited about that. I'm about to go work on that after we finish. But um, but yeah, so I'm working on that, and that'll be under the same title of the field, um, same thing. But I, I've probably got some video, probably ten videos I've got done. I just got to start releasing them. Um, but you you can find me in either one of those places, and you know, send me a message, give me a follow, and I'll, I'd be happy to chat with you and get to know you for sure. Awesome, man. I'll make sure I have that info in the show notes so that people can just go right, right down there, click on that, and it'll send them right to them. That's, but thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being on the Rice Kill Eat podcast. And, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, Tyler, thanks so much for having me, man. This is fun. Yeah, it's definitely my pleasure. I appreciate it, man. <laughs>